What do simplicity, availability, and darkness have to do with spiritual formation? Find out on this episode where we discuss how Bishop Bienvenue has understood what the good life really means and has lived it out. Welcome to Fiction That Forms Us, stories that inspire us and practices that help us change, a podcast where we explore life-changing stories with characters whose journeys give us a vision for a better way of life. Through God's invitation and grace to practice spiritual disciplines, we can journey toward becoming fully human like Jesus as we live in the kingdom of God in the here and now. I'm your host, Christy Lahoda, and today we'll be continuing our discussion on the character of Monseigneur Bienvenue from the book Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. During our last episode, we learned about the Monseigneur and how he lived his life. Today we will talk about what lessons we can learn to help further our own spiritual formation. I'm joined again by my good friend Ted Harrow, who is the new president of Renovare, a Christian spiritual formation organization focused on the with God life experienced by grace through the spiritual practices of Jesus and of the historical church. He also leads a marriage mentoring ministry with his wife Gretchen, is the dad to two adult sons, and is quite the bread and pizza aficionado. I can say from personal experience, his pizza is quite delicious. And now let's continue our chat. Fiction That Forms Us is reaching listeners all around the globe, and we are so thankful for all of you. We would greatly appreciate it if you would spare a few minutes of your time and give us an honest rating and review on the platform through which you listen. When you star and write a review, it helps others find our podcast. And now, on to the interview. Okay, so let's switch gears and talk about what Bishop uh, Bienvenue's simplicity and lemis can teach us about ourselves and our spiritual journeys into Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to become more like Christ. So what uh, spiritual practice would we do that could help us grow in simplicity like the bishop in, in our own lives? Well, he because we were going to have this conversation, I went back and read this section again, and, and I was laughing because I he's like a catalog of spiritual practices. It's, it's really interesting. The most obvious one, of course, is what I referred to earlier, which is the practice of simplicity. Is um, is he would say over and over in the course of the book, basically, why do I need that? I don't need that. that that's uh, that can be used better somewhere else. And um, so he just he is in, again in a very lighthearted way. It isn't like he's doing it because he's trying to impress anybody, or it's like, oh, I feel guilty for what I have. That's why I love that he keeps the silver, you know, because he's it, and he keeps flowers. It, it isn't a you know kind of a serious minded piety. It's 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 somebody who's just like I found a better way to live. And this is the thing. I think sometimes we think that becoming like Jesus is like, oh man, that's going to be a drag. And when you when you read about this guy's story, you go, no, he actually has it best. Like like this is the best way to live. So he practices simplicity, and he will he will just not take on more um, activity and more possessions if he doesn't need to, because he wants to stay he wants to stay light. You know, he wants to, and and the way. Uh, so I am nowhere close to where he is in this one. But the I have thought about this a little bit in terms of a strategy for life. And this is kind of like playing small ball. You know, it's like I'm not going to swing for the fences every time. I'm going to I'm going to purposely keep my footprint in the world small um, so that I'm free. 
so that I'm free. And that he is free to do things and free of, particularly free of fear because he has nothing to lose. I think I can speak and say that just knowing you and, and we're good friends, knowing you, your personality and your life, the way you live your life is a, a lot like the Bishop and the way he lives his life. You exemplify. May that be true. <laughs> well, and it's it's something to continue living into, but mm-hmm. but your personality is, and I know um, I've been to your house recently, and I know that that you do live your life more simply. You still f- have fun and you enjoy yourself, but I know you could have so much more than you do. That's one thing that I really value about you. So Gretchen and I um, made a. I think a pretty conscious choice early in our marriage to, to live in a certain way. And it wasn't to, you know, score points to anybody or anything like that. It was really to have freedom. And so that means that we've made some lifestyle and spending choices that, that give us more flexibility and freedom to do whatever might bring our way. And actually, you know, I'm just about to take the, role of President Renovari, so I'm moving from the for-profit world to the nonprofit world. And there are usually income impacts to that, and there, there is in this situation too. The choices we've made since we were young to live that simple way, that more simple way, I won't say it's simple because I'm sure I could be even more simple, but uh, has enabled us to make that kind of change more easily. So, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I do think for the bishop and for us um, to borrow the line, you know, the title of Richard Foster's book, there is a freedom of simplicity. Yeah. And we really value that. Richard Foster is definitely one that would know about that. Just based on yes. everything I know about him and from having read a lot of what he wrote. Um, okay. Yeah. So let's talk about how we can practice how can we practice simplicity in our daily lives? We kind of started talking about it, just uh, making simpler choices. But you also mentioned that when the bishop was in his garden, he would actually mm-hmm. just spend time in contemplation. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a way that, that that practice can lead us into more simplicity? Mm-hmm. I do. Because remember, everything that happens outside of us in simplicity there's, there's clearly an internal condition of simplicity, but that's not the obvious thing. The obvious thing with the bishop was that he lived on a tenth of his income. That was the obvious thing, and it, and it, it was right in his face and in his household's face every day. Um, <clears throat> but we all know that the way of Jesus is that the, the outer things we do flow from the inside. So I, I actually think the bishop's... Um, you know, work in his garden, not that I'm saying that everybody should work in a garden, but uh, I, I do think exposing yourself to nature and to beauty, particularly created beauty, is really important because it reminds us of our finiteness. You know, it reminds us that there's something, there's a longer history than us and there's something much bigger than us. And it goes on whether we're involved with it or not. And uh, we can be part of it if we're cultivating a garden, for instance. But it is not driven by us. 
even if we're gardening, we're cooperating with the garden. So there's something about, about getting to that moment of, Oh, I'm actually quite small. (laughs) So, and that's okay. Like to be okay with my small place in the world that enables us then to be okay with, with making choices for simplicity um, more often than not, because we can say, why I don't have to impress anybody. Um, I don't need the best of everything to be happy. There's, I, I have this flower. I get to watch this thing. I have this, this pet, you know, whatever it is, whatever I'm caring for in the creative world, that's, that's like, Oh, this is a beautiful thing. And I'm caring for it. It just puts us right into our small little place, which is what we are. I want to feel like I'm this big grand thing. And then you kind of go, Oh, like I'm in the mountains right now in Montana and you hike a mountain and you go, Oh, I'm really, really small. And these mountains have been here for a long, long time. Okay. <laughs> Get over myself. And that, that helps me to be more ready than to make simple choices on the outside too. So I, I do think, and that also helps us, I think, to be lighthearted about it. I, I just, I can't say enough that this is not something where it's going to work very well or be very winsome if we are, you know, dour about it. And yes, I, yes, I only live on this much of my income and look at me and boy, it's hard, but I do it. That, that's not it. That isn't the life. The life is, you know, wow, I'm small. I don't need all that to be happy because I have happiness from other ways. And I want to live lightly, small footprint, so I can be on the move and be part of stuff where God wants me to be part of stuff. That's the exciting part. I love that. So what you're saying is that when we practice it and our outward practice shapes our inside. And well, I think you said that our inside is changed when we practice. Yes, both. I mean, I think, I think the what happens. Around. So the practice, the practices that we do on the inside are going to affect what we can do on the outside. Cause we live from the inside out. Right. But, but there are practices. Like, so going out in the garden is an, is a physical thing you do that could shape how your, how your inside is. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But there's this, you know, back and forth between our inner world and our outer world that is always going on, you know, always going on every, every minute. And when we practice simplicity, we end up getting joy from it. It's not going to lead us to being dour and groaning and moaning about, Oh, my poor life. I have to do this or whatever. When we're genuinely practicing it, we will grow through it and experience joy. I do think joy is a, is a really great side effect. Um, and I think there are times when simplicity is painful. Um, sure. actually had, I actually have had this happen recently where I, I was thinking about a purchase and I could either get, it was actually a microphone to do podcasts and I could either get, you know, I asked one of my friends who's into that world. So like, which one should I get? And there was the one that she recommended, which was twice the cost of the one that I had been looking at. And I thought, well, well, I noticed the difference. Do I really need the two X one? Cause she said the other one's fine. This one's just a little bit better. I was like, no, I don't think I need the two X one. So in this case, I'm going to buy the one X one. And, and that was, you know, that was a choice. I mean, it was a, it was kind of a tiny bit sad in the moment. Cause it's like, but I like the nice one, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, but there's no good reason. And now I feel good about it. It's like, yeah, it's, 
I mean, I'm, no one's going to mistake me for being a recording artist, no matter what the, the, <laughs> the uh, microphone does. So we'll, we'll just live within your means. It's fine. Small footprint. That's good. Yeah. Again, I'm looking for simplicity with joy. So I'm always looking for those things paired together. Um, so I think in terms of simplicity, I, I do, I mean, very practically. Um, and some of us have more income and more income potential than others. And so it's, it's a different game for different of us. But for me, uh, we've often said, okay, we're, we're going to uh, be careful to live, you know, on an income or on a cost base that is more like a, mo a relatively modest income as opposed to living to our, our financial capacity. And, um, and then we save and give the rest. And um, that's been a good practice for us. It means that we stay, we, we live in the same starter house that we bought when we were uh, first married and thought we weren't gonna be able to have children. And uh, that was a conscious choice. And it was at times cramped because we had two boys and boys big and they, we called them greyhounds. They flop over everything, you know, <laughs> they drape themselves onto couches and it's like, there's no room to sit in this house. Um, but it was the right thing for us to do. And I, I wouldn't say it's for everybody, but I think in terms of how we practice, this is the, the organizing question for me, for most of our adult lives together, Gretchen and me. Are we living our lives such that if God called us to something with a lot less income potential, we could make that move without encumbrances, without being tangled up in extra mortgages and things we have to sell and all that stuff. And, and that, that isn't for everybody. It's just been how we've lived and it's been a good principle for us. And we should clarify Gretchen is the woman to whom you were married. Gretchen is the woman to whom I'm married, yes. We have Trevor Hudson to thank for that way of describing his spouse. Yes, we do. Okay, yeah. so you've mentioned being able to save and give. I'm wondering, if is there any other fruit that you've seen in your life from practicing simplicity? Uh, I, I think I'll be redundant here. Just it, There's a freedom to it. I don't worry. I worry about lots of things. Let me be clear. I don't worry because we've overextended ourselves. I don't worry because I'm trying to keep up with so-and-so. I long ago said, you win. I have friends who are very successful, you know, CEO types. And, and I've worked in the marketplace where most of my clients were that kind of person. And I've just, I mean, I just laugh. I know how much they make. There are more zeros after their, after their income than mine by enough, by significant amount. And I just say to, my, I say to myself, oh, you win. And, and it's like, I'm not playing that game. It's not a game that I can win right now. It's not a game that I want to win right now. I know the cost of being tangled up in that stuff. I've seen it firsthand. And for me, it's not where I think God's called us to be. So to me, the biggest, the biggest thing to me is just freedom. It's like, I don't worry about that stuff. I've declared defeat on that so that I can more fully, and I am nowhere close to done, but more fully be available and, you know, joyful and free and just like, oh, great, let's go do that. I feel like what you said perfectly exemplifies you and is right on target for going into this new position as president of Renovari. Well, let's hope so that this particular life change has felt more like something that is the culmination of so many parts of our lives, Gretchen and me, than anything I've ever done. 
And so I can't predict what's going to happen, but it does feel that way right now. And regardless, you know, like the Bishop, if the Bishop wasn't worried about the next career move, he didn't have a career. That was his secret. His secret was he was just available for the next mission. And sometimes that mission, uh, this is part of the book I love, he gets, he goes sent up, he goes to visit a village that's been taken over by a bunch of thieves. And all of his friends say, don't go up there. They, they're going to kill you. And he says, why are they going to kill me? I'm an old man. I got nothing to, and, and he ends up, they end up giving him all their money to go <laughs> give to the poor. Yeah. And, and then he goes and visits a guy who was on his deathbed, who was a revolutionary and an atheist. It has a very important encounter. The bishop doesn't have a career. And that's his secret. You know, I think that's important for people like me. It gives me hope. In what way? Well, just because I don't, I don't really have a career right now anyway. So it, yeah. it puts things into perspective for me. So thank you. He has a calling. Yeah, he is living out his calling. And exactly. I feel like God has brought you to the place he's brought you to and has prepared you for this very time. How did simplicity and generosity and freedom help Bishop Bienvenue in Les Mis? Simplicity and I would and generosity and and his ability to see the beauty and to be and to be full of joy enables him to be very close to darkness without being overcome by it. Hmm. And that is the story here. His part of the story is that when darkness came to his home, darkness did not overcome his home, even though for most people, this is what is, I think, remarkable about the character. I love the character so much for this reason. For most people, having the, you know, he he had this weakness for the silver, right? And the silver gets stolen. Most people, that would make them angry and would make them um, sad and all these things. And he has a sense of humor about it. He's like, well, we have pewter, we have wood, and we don't even need silverware. And so in the middle of all that, because the, the interesting part of the story is when Valjean comes back, is that he has the settledness of character, the bishop, to look at Valjean and say, take the candlesticks, and then to say, I have, you're my brother. I have bought you from darkness. And I would argue that his long practice, as you said, his long practice of simplicity, of generosity, of remembering, because generosity for him flows from knowing that everything comes from God. Everything does. Yeah. It's all good. That enables him to be able to encounter this terrible darkness in another human being and not to be overcome by it. And that in our day, this is why I think this character is so relevant today. In our day, I can't think of anything more relevant than for us to be people who can encounter great darkness in ourselves, in, in our communities, in other people around us, in our society as a whole, and to not be overcome by it, but to be the next lead domino, the next lead domino, not as heroes, because the Bishop is a minor character in the book, not as heroes, just as people who are called to do their bit. That's so good. And, it's almost like the very last thing and only thing that he held on to that silver. God it had is. him let go of. Well, actually, I would argue that God did. I would actually argue that Valjean took it and <laughs> that 
And, and then the bishop said, ah, but you didn't take it. I gave it to God. So God kind of forced his hand almost. And he would have, I, don't you think that he would have given it anyway? If, if Jean Valjean had asked. I think he would have. I think, I think he would have. And I think, I think because, because he had the silver, but the silver didn't have him. Yeah. That's the difference. Oh, to be virtuous like the bishop. Well, the good news is we have time. Yes. We are growing. We let the water, let the water drip on the rock, right? Yep. Until it's shaped. Yeah. Well, Ted, thanks so much for being on. Will you come back? Of course. It would be my privilege to come back. Wonderful. I can't wait. Thanks again to Ted for giving us insight on how Monseigneur Bienvenue from Les Miserables shows us how to be more generous, live more simply, and to look for beauty and joy in darkness. You can learn more about Ted's work with Renovare, as well as his marriage mentoring ministry, on this episode's page on our website. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Fiction That Forms Us. To read articles, learn more about this episode's guest, as well as what we've discussed, visit fictionthatformsus.com. Connect with us on social media through Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to those also on our website. This podcast was produced by Rob Lahoda. Our theme music is All Flame from the Carolyn Aarons album Recognition. Learn more at carolynaarons.com. May God grace us with more of his presence as we learn to fully live in the kingdom of God by aligning our will with God's will. Until next time, omnia corda inflammate, set every heart on fire.